Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to this show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 81, and my guest today is returning champion Kid Cassio. And if you don't know who Kid Cassio is, go back and listen to episode 18 of Beyond Synth from season 2, because that's when I first met Kid Cassio, and you get the whole origin story in that episode. So that's what I suggest you do. Do that right now. Turn this off. Turn this shit off and go back in time and listen to episode 18 of Beyond Synth and uh, get to know Kid Cassio. But for those of you who do know, uh, he's back and he had an album that he released earlier this year. Or was it was it 2015? <laughs> Maybe I should go back and listen to episode 18. <laughs> Anyway, the point is this. Uh, I love Kid Casio's music. It's really uh, upbeat synth-pop stuff. I'm a big fan of his, and I'm happy to have him on the show again. So that's cool. And as always, uh, you know, Beyond Synth is brought to you by DownToJam.com, a free website that helps musicians around the world connect based on musical compatibility. And if you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up DownToJam.com. That's D-O-W-N-T-O-J-A-M.com. And don't forget that the theme song for Beyond Synth is done by Ogre, ogresounds.co.uk. And uh, that's pretty much all I know. So how about this? Let's get the show started, let's listen to some music, and then we'll see what happens from there. So this is a cool track. This is uh, by Honeybeard, and this is Into the Night.
That's a cool track. That was Honeybeard with the track Into the Night. Although I almost just called it You Are Alone because that's the catchy part of the song that gets in my head. Anyway, those guys got some cool songs. You can check it out. As always, I post all the links to all the artists I feature on the show on the SoundCloud page. So if you go to soundcloud.com slash beyondsynth where the episodes get posted, click on the more info button and you're going to see a big list of all the artist links. And you should check them out, man. There's some cool shit for you to listen to. You know what we're going to do today? We're going to switch it up a little bit. Let's go to the Patreon now. Usually I save it for a little bit later. Just so you guys know, as I'm assuming most of you do, is uh, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. And a Patreon is basically a way that you can donate money to the show. It's a monthly donation system and every bit helps. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. And there's, uh, you know, higher donations if you want some terrible prizes. But uh, honestly, you know, if you enjoy the show and you want to help out, it's, uh, it's cool of you to do that. And I appreciate the people that do. So uh, now we're going to go to the Patreon and uh, shout out to my lovely patrons. I want to say thank you to Power85 for donating to the show. And Brendan Kellum, thanks dude. Lucas C, thanks dude. Ravonia, thanks dude. Kai, thanks dude. Saloja, thanks dude. Now wait, no, those are two $5 donors. See, I always get confused because sometimes people donate 5 bucks, but then they say they don't want the $5 prize. So I just want to point it out that I do appreciate your donation, dudes. And you're going to get a fucking prize anyways. The prizes are terrible, by the way. I want to thank Lunar Baboon. Thanks, dude. Knox Bello, always a pleasure. Terrence Thompson, you're a cool guy. Nathan Winter, I guess you're a cool guy too because your last name is Winter. I should have saved the cool guy line for you. Russ Nyes, thanks, buddy. Paul Lopez, Lopes, no one's corrected me on this yet. I'm calling you Lopes, just like I did last week, the week before that, and the week before that. Thanks, Paul. Uh, now this one, I finally got confirmation as to how to pronounce it. So I was saying it's Seich this whole time because it's S-I-E-T-C-H. But I got a letter from this person and he says, Hey, Andy, you asked me how to pronounce my donation name. Have you ever read Dune by Frank Herbert? Seich is the home of the Fremen, a community or village, and is derived from siege. So its pronunciation would be more like Seech. Thanks for the shout out and keep the show coming. Thanks to you and your show, I've discovered so many awesome artists and I've been to a lot of shows here in Germany like Perturbator, Ghost, Carpenter Brute, Dan Terminus, and a lot more. Being born in 1982, this music is so engraved into me and even though being kind of a metalhead, every time I hear those tunes, I can't keep myself from stopping and listen. So thanks for a great show. Cheers, C. Well, thanks, Seach, and thanks for your donation. I appreciate it. Moving on, we've got the Fear Merchant. He merchants in fear. Zikorax, thanks, buddy. Tomas, you're a cool guy, man. Thanks for your donation. Martin Chigoriga, I still haven't gotten confirmation on how to pronounce that name, but Martin, thanks for the money. And of course, Python Blue. Python Blue makes good music, and you should check 
it out. Eric Valerio, you are also a cool guy. Now I'd like to thank my lovely $5 Pattersons. These lovely people donate uh, $5 a month and they are super cool and super better than you. There's Joe and Lando. Thanks, buddies. You are cool guys and they host a podcast and you should check it out. Ozone Late Night. Ozone Nightmare. I think both of those are correct. Florence Bullock. Thanks, dudette. <laughs> Hopefully none of the other people I just thanked were dudes. No, I, you know what? I said this on a show uh, a while back. I used the word dude. Dude can mean girl. It totally can, at least to me. Anyways, thanks, Florence. You are a cool cat. No, I gave you two. That's not fair. Roman, thanks, buddy. You are a cool guy as well. Extras music. You know how I feel about extras music. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's right, because I like donations. Then there's Philip Hugh You're a cool guy. Your last name has the word burger in it. That's my favorite food, and that is all that matters to me. Devious Raven. Thanks, dudette. I think she was one of the people who went to the Magic Sword show with our Magic Sword competition, and I'm going to be playing some audio clips of the people who went to Magic Sword and with their reports. And then there's Bobby B. Thanks, lady. <laughs> I just like to point out when they're ladies, because I'm an idiot. Anyways, thanks, Bobby. You know you're cool, and I appreciate your support. Then there's John Eternal. Uh, You're a cool guy, John, and uh, yeah... I'm starting to run out of steam here. There's Will Lowe. Thanks, Will. I hope you're having a lovely day. And then there's Dougie Fresh. Dougie Fresh. This dude is fresh. Like lettuce. (laughs) Sorry, dude. And there's lame robot Mitchell Carswell. You're a cool guy, Mitchell Carswell. I appreciate your support. You know that I do, man. Then there's Girls with Tails with a wacky donation of 567. Thanks, Girls with Tails. I think it's a dude. See, it's got the word girls in it, but I think that's something else. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought you were a dude. Anyways, the bottom line is I appreciate your support. And Hellroy with his lovely pledge of 666. Because of Satan. Thanks, Hellroy. I appreciate your support. You're a cool guy. And you gotta stay cool and frosty in hell. Now, let's go to my lovely $10 Pattersons. These cool guys are super cool. There's Jake Last. Thanks, dude. I appreciate your support. You are a cool guy. And then there's Trevor Resnick. I appreciate your support. You're a cool guy. And then there's Colin Bennett. I appreciate your support. You're a cool guy. You should go check out Colin Bennett's music because he's FM84 and he made one of the best albums of the year. And uh, that's that's all I know. And of course, the king of the Pattersons, Scotty Golden with his fabulous $15 pledge. And I don't call them pledges too often. Anyways, thanks guys. That was the Patreon. Uh, sort of a little longer this week, but I wanted to uh, make sure I didn't uh, run through it as quickly as I have been. Uh, because I do appreciate your support. Now, let's listen to another track. This is cool because uh, Dad, D-A-D, just came out with uh, a song for Halloween. I know Halloween is over, but this song I really dug. I love when people take the retro sound and they do stuff that not everybody else is doing. So a lot of the synthwave stuff has a certain vibe to it, and uh, D-A-D has just made a a cool-sounding retro uh, like horror theme, uh, which I, I love this track. It's awesome. This is D-A-D and 
Memoriam. was memoriam by d-a-d that is a cool song man i i like it <laughs> you know because there's some there's certain sounds in this scene that not a lot of people are doing and even though i know i cover you know synth wave in quotes on the show to me i just love any retro sounding uh, electronic music and you know a lot of people they're doing the same sort of you know the the synth wave sound but i also appreciate that stuff that sounds like it's like synth music that comes from the 70s or you know synth music with like orchestral stuff i mean like i just love synthesizers and i like to see them put to good use i don't know what the hell that means (laughs) let's go to the mail sack This is a mail sack question from Argen1981, who says, Do you ever wonder if we have had the best years of Synthwave already? I certainly hope not. But I do wonder. 
and then a winking happy face. Uh, no, I don't. You know, as long as more people are starting to make the tunes and bringing more influences from different genres into the music and then channeling it through a fucking retro synthesizer, we're just going to keep on getting cool music. The great thing about Synthwave is that it's designed to be retro. I mean, that's what makes it cool. And the nice thing about that is it doesn't really date because it's already sort of dated upon its creation. In fact, we, we talk about that later, uh, Kid Casio and I, and that's what makes it special. So it's like someone in 10 years from now can make, you know, the coolest synthwave album and it's still going to sound like it belongs in a certain time and a certain place and it's going to evoke that nostalgia. And that's what's cool about synthwave. You know, it's not striving for a current sound. That's why I think we will, uh, we're always going to keep getting cool synthwave music. And I mean, you know, of course there's always the, the stuff that rises to the top. I mean, I get a lot of music sent to me. I listen to a lot of music every year. You know, maybe every year there's like a few standout amazing albums and it's been that way you know since i uh, found out about the scene but as long as those things are still around it's still uh, it's still cool man that's the magic of synth wave so to answer your question no i don't think we've had the best years of synth wave but i will say this a lot of times when people f- discover the scene a lot of the artists that they hear first when they first discover the scene end up being their favorite artists i mean it happened to me it happens to a lot of people you know they they hold a lot of the stuff in high regard that they that they found first so as long as there's new people joining the scene i guess there's always going to be new favorites for everybody so i guess my point is that you know it's possible that you have heard the best years of synthwave because you're always going to have this nostalgic connection to the the first stuff that uh, got you into the scene and nothing ever quite tops it or everything sounds sort of the same you know from that point on but uh, for me personally i love hearing new stuff and every time i hear a song a new kind of song that uh, you know hits a new note or, or does something cool it gets me all excited all over again like that dad song you know like stuff like that i just like when i hear someone doing something different and then it uh, it reinvigorates me and stuff like that anyways that's my answer to you dude let's listen to another song this one of course i (laughs) i say all this stuff about synthwave this one actually has a bit more of a contemporary sound but i liked uh, the chorus i thought it was pretty catchy this is a track by ilsa and this is circles
that was Circles by Ilsa, and that's a cool song. I know it's a bit more modern-y sounding pop uh, than what I usually play, but uh, I thought it had a catchy chorus, and uh, I just play whatever I want here, all right? If I dig it, I play it, and if you don't, you can go kiss my ass, all right? So anyways, that was a cool song. I think we should go to the junk email folder. This is where I read some junk emails I received, except this time I got sent some junk emails from a listener, uh, which you guys can do too. If you get some junk emails that you think are pretty funny, send them my way and I'll read them because I love, you know, reading junk emails. So this was from uh, a listener, Jeff Harrington, who sent me some more junk emails he received, and I'm going to read one of them here. So this is from Olivia Borrego at boregulivia33 at gmail.com My dearest one, this is Miss Olivia Borrego from Trinidad and Tobago. I'm writing from the hospital in Ivory Coast. Therefore, this mail is very urgent as you can see that I'm dying in the hospital. (laughs) What? Yes, I can see that from this letter. You can see that I'm dying in the hospital, which I don't know what tomorrow will be. I was told by my doctor that I was poisoned. Okay. I was told by my doctor that I was poisoned and has got my liver damaged and can only live for some months. I inherited some money, 4.5 million, from my late father, and I cannot think of anybody trying to kill me apart from my stepmother in order to inherit the money. <laughs> Might be my new favorite one. She is an Ivorian by nationality. I want you to contact my servant with the information below. Servant Jonathan Walter. Address Rue de la Princesse, blah, 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 okay, in Cote d'Ivoire. He will give you the documents of the money and will direct you to a well-known lawyer that I have appointed to him. The lawyer will assist you to change the documents of the money to your name to enable the bank transfer the money to you. This is the favor I need when you have gotten the money. One, give 20% of the money to my servant Walter, as he has been there for me through my illness, and I have promised to support him in life. I want you to take him along with you to your country and establish him as your son. Okay, I think this is my new favorite uh, junk email, and it's not done. So that was number one. Number two, give 30% of the money to handicapped people and charity organization. Then the remaining one is yours. Note, this should be a code between you and my servant Walter in this transaction. Hospital. Any mail from him, the barrister he will direct you to, without this code, hospital, is not from the barrister, Walter, the bank, or myself, as I don't know what will happen to me in the next few hours. I get what? <laughs> Three. The lawyer's name is Bar Rufus Allen, and let Walter send you his international passport to be sure of whom you are dealing with. Walter is so little, therefore guide him. May Almighty God bless you and use you to accomplish my wish. 
Pray for me always, Miss Olivia Borrego. Well, that is amazing. So I don't know if you guys paid attention to what I just read, but it was awesome. (laughs) I'm not going to go over it again, but the point is, I think that might be the best one. So she's worried about being assassinated. She's going to die at any minute. You have to take this servant of hers and establish them as your son. And it's amazing. (laughs) Anyways, let's listen to another song. This is a track by Heathen, and this is Revenant.
that was Revenant by Heathen, and that is H-E, Upside Down Cross, H-N. And uh, that's a cool song. I know I'm sort of playing a few, like, kind of Halloween-y tracks, and Halloween is over, but the bottom line is, if the song is cool, I shall play it. Now, of course, we've got Kid Casio coming up in just a few, we're going to say minutes, because I'm probably going to play another song, and then we'll go to uh, my chat with Kid Casio. Did everybody have a good Halloween? We got a nice big bowl of Halloween candy now. No, I didn't uh, collect Halloween candy myself, but when you have kids, they sort of do it for you. And then as a parent, you get to take candy tax, which is pretty sweet. It's like a tariff that, you know, you bring the candy home and then you sort through it and you tell your kid like, uh, oh, I bet you don't like these ones, you know, and meanwhile you're just sorting out all the wicked candies to give to yourself. And So sometimes there are these little perks to parenthood. You still have to go. Because <laughs> I guess once the kids are old enough to go to Halloween by themselves, to go to Halloween, I don't think that's how you say that. Once the kids are able to trick-or-treat by themselves, I don't think you're allowed to take their candy at that point. But if you still have to be a chaperone, then I think it's uh, perfectly fair that you get to take <clears throat> 80% of the candies. And, uh, you know, that's the point, you know? You, you just gotta see the silver lining. It's playbook. But I hope you guys are having a lovely day. I'm just trying to think if I forgot to say anything. I mean, I guess you could always uh, check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast, and you can like it. Uh, it's a cool thing to like. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last. That's the official Beyond Synth Twitter page. And, of course, you can uh, follow the soundcloud.com slash beyondsynth. If you have any mail sack questions you want to send to me, send them to any of those places. Private message me and just say mail sack at the top of the message. And if you want me to check out your music, you can also contact me through the Facebook, through Twitter, through SoundCloud, and also beyondsynth at gmail.com. So you can send tracks to any one of those places, and I'll check out your music. And if I dig it, I'll play it. And if I don't, then I will poison you and send assassins to get you and then adopt your servant and take your inheritance as long as I remember the what was the password? Hospital (laughs) stupid (laughs) anyways that's pretty much all I have to say so let's listen to another track and then we'll go to my conversation with Kid Cassio so this is Synthetiger and the track Beyond the Grid
that was Beyond the Grid by Synthetiger. Get it? <laughs> it's like synthesizer, but a lion. Is a lion a tiger? Of course it is. One of them, they have different words. I, maybe it's time for bed for me. I don't know. Uh, thank you guys for tuning into the show. This is, of course, Beyond Synth. Now, let's go to my return visit with Kid Casio. <laughs> And I'm here with Kid Casio. Hello. You having a good day? Yeah. I would be able to tell you like what the weather's like or, in London or something like that, but I'm in a basement. I'm in my recording studio at the moment, <laughs> so uh, windowless. We can assume it's <laughs> rainy, right? Yeah, it's London, man. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> so, Kid Casio, Nathan Cooper, who was uh, on the show several years ago, and you've been making uh, cool music for a long time, mm. and now you're back. And you had an album that you released uh, earlier in the year, which we're going to sort of talk about, and we'll play a bunch of tracks from it and stuff. And that's my game plan for today. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to? I've been busy. So the album came out beginning of the year, my album Sit and Wait, and that had been, I mean, I can't tell you how long that had been sitting there waiting to be released. I think I mastered it, and this is no lie, I think I mastered it two years ago. So it was ready to go then, and then I had this bright idea of anime a video for the next release mm. of it. Yeah, I mean, to cut a long story short, what I thought would take a couple of weeks to animate a four-minute video ended up taking two years. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's the thing, because when, when we spoke last, mm. you had already started work on that yeah. video. That's the Kodo song. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> I played like a 30-second sample of it, yeah. assuming that this was going to be some single that was going to be released shortly. Yep. And then the album came out to two years later yeah I mean it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever worked on because it was just so mind-numbingly dull I mean (laughs) day after day I mean I get up at you know six in the morning and start the animation it's 12 frames per second so I'd be animating every frame so and some of these frames we're not talking about like one face or something like that because of the content of the songs um, they required these scenes where it was say like a hundred soldiers running across a, a field so I'd be at, that would be one frame so I'd be drawing these hundred soldiers in quite detail you know I can't tell you how good I am now at drawing like soldiers uniforms and stuff <laughs> just draw so many and then you'd get one finished and you think okay well that's good so on to the next one and then by the end of the day you've been working on this for like eight hours and you'd play it back to see how much you'd drawn and it would be like blink of an eye mm-hmm. you know all that work and it would just be literally a, a nanosecond of animation so and then this day after day after day and there were times when i very nearly gave up because it just was so it was so tedious and so so dull <laughs> so what was the um so this occurred this is for the the kodo song that's right uh, yeah. in brackets a umbayo which we'll play yeah. in a sec yeah. um so what was the footage? Basically, you did a video that looked... It was kind of like that AHA style where you... you exactly. You turned exactly. video into sort of like a pencil drawing looking exactly. stuff. Exactly. So it's called Rotoscope. Yeah, and you were doing that on... What footage were you using? I'd put together four minutes of footage. I mean, because the song was about... I mean, I don't know if we mentioned this before. The song was basically about two guys fighting in the Boer War. And um, I just felt like, well, if I'm going to make a video to this, it's got to be about that. And I'm not going to be able to make a video with 
thousands of people in costume you know on location the only way I, I can do this is animation and that technique where you're tracing over real film footage is called rotoscope that's what aha originally used in take on me so i made a four minute film if you like just using clips from this film uh, called zulu that stars michael kane which has got loads of scenes of kind of uh, fighting and from the boer war in it and then i did some stuff myself on green screen so i put myself you know on the battlefield <laughs> mm. using green screen and stuff and i made like a kind of four minute film and then yeah that was it and then i traced every single scene and then there were certain scenes where the paper would tear the animation paper would tear and you'd see real film footage of me underneath singing or something like that so there were little bits like that but yeah it just took I mean I wouldn't recommend it to anyone (laughs) (laughs) unless you've got a team you know unless you've got a team of people working on it it's just too much and um, I almost drove myself mad and I I almost gave up at times and then I kind of my girlfriend helped me do some bits of it and I got through it in the end and I think I might have even cheated a bit using some there were certain scenes I, I used a bit of software where for some of the shading that was it yeah. but I still had to do all the outlines and stuff so it was yeah, yeah. it was but eventually you know I got it finished I never thought I would and, and that meant I could release that and then I could release the album so that is why there was such a long gap <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's great I mean I, I don't know how you could have sat on it for so long I've had this this same conversation with other people mm. uh, other artists and stuff because like I do video stuff yeah so I'm driven artistically to do stuff like that and it hurts me if I've made something and it's sitting there because the only the the juice I get the energy I get is from people's reactions yes seeing the thing well that's why I I had to just keep that in mind I have to keep thinking well hopefully when when I finish this it's going to look good and people are going to like it you know (laughs) I, I mean the great thing I said this before the great thing about you know the music I make it's not like I'm making really up to date sounding dance music where the genre the sounds change every few months you know and, and there was no way you could sit on something for even uh, you know six months because mm. it would it would sound slightly dated you know yeah luckily for me that because the music i make sounds like it's recorded in 1985 it really doesn't matter when i release it you know because it'll still sound like 1985 whether yeah, i release yeah, yeah. it today or in two years time and that's the great thing about it it doesn't age so i was able to sit on the album and it doesn't particularly sound dated because it sounded dated anyway yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean that is the one advantage and it means that you know with both my albums in a way it means that it gives me that time to kind of reflect on it and gauge the running order and I, I often change what songs you know sometimes stuff maybe a year after recording it you know if, if there's a gap before releasing it some of the songs that were going to make it onto the album didn't and I put them aside because I felt with hindsight after a bit of reflection that actually they weren't right for it and stuff so it does help sometimes just that people aren't banging on my door desperate for my next release you know it just gives me that (laughs) kind of freedom to kind of take my time with it you know which is nice well let's listen to this one then this is uh this is the Kodo song by Kid Casio
That was Kodo's song, in brackets, A Umbayo, by Kid Cassio. And I'm here with Kid Cassio right now from London in his studio. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was really weird. I'm really terrible at uh, coming back from tracks, by the way, so get used to that. (laughs) I think you're good. I think you're good. So, Fiction studios—that's yeah. where I am. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a bit too because that's pretty cool. I do want to say, mm. and this is something that I've always sort of liked about your music, like dealing with synthwave, you know, as as I do on this show. Yeah, there's a sort of need by lots of people to be, you know, cool in quotes. Yeah, which I find can sometimes be restrictive in a way. And yeah, what I've always definitely. loved about your music is that is that you just go for it. It's not cool. <laughs> My music is not cool. It is true though. You know, I wasn't aware of this whole synthwave thing and I've kind of because of the blogs you know that have been featuring my music you know since I started releasing stuff I've only become aware of it since then it's sort of like this memory of the 80s which is also filtered through like video games and these sort of other yeah, things yeah. so that's much more like that's often instrumental stuff isn't yes, it and it's yeah. always about the computer game visuals and uh, you know and the yeah I like a lot of that stuff but I'm all whenever I hear whenever I hear that I'm like 
put some vocals, you know, make it into a song. You know, especially with the people who, you know, listen to this show and a lot of people who like the synthwave music, there is this balance because there is people who just, they don't like the vocal tracks. I personally do because I think that's what gives them character because I listen to a lot and I'm sent a lot of music, synthwave music. Yeah. That all sort of sounds similar. Not that it's bad, but that it's like, it's hard for me to distinguish the the artist. Yeah. The thing is, I love some of that stuff. Like, musically, it's, it's great, but for me, it's unfinished. Like, I don't want to say it's easy, but the hard part is working that stuff around a song. And if you can do that, then that's something special because, you know, I can sit and make an instrumental track and make it sound like cool in 80s and stuff. And that's a nice art and stuff. But if, you know, it's not going to ever appeal to a mass audience unless you can shape it around a, a decent song, you know. That's the hard bit yeah. that I find, you know, using those sounds and, and but actually shaping it around a great song that actually you could sit down at a piano and play it and it would still sound good, you know? And that's what I like too about the synthwave stuff that actually has vocals because, again, that's what gives, for me personally, those songs character and really lets me go, okay, now I know who who the artist is and all this stuff. And it also makes the songs way more memorable. Like, I find when I go through my playlist, the songs that I return to, you know, when I'm walking around and I really want to listen to music, they're mostly the vocal synthwave tracks I mean yeah. they're they're memorable because you need that that hook and stuff and especially what I like about your stuff and again like I'm saying before about a synthwave voice like has to be you know cool and it's all about like lasers and robots and naked <laughs> chicks and stuff is that you just have these positive like upbeat poppy tunes with these big you know chorus hooks yeah and and it's unabashedly like just synth pop yeah it's synth pop as it was in the 80s, you know. And it's refreshing for me because, like, everything else I'm listening to is, like, it's great and it's very cinematic. What I love about synthwave, it's sort of, it's very cinematic music. And so when I yeah. listen to the ambient tracks or the ones without vocals, they very much inspire visuals in my head as I'm walking totally. around. That's the thing with that music. You kind of think, wow, this would be great in a soundtrack or in a film or something like that. And But for me, like you say, when you're going about your daily business and you want some music in the background, you might be in the gym I personally I want something that I'm going to remember I want a song you know especially something that's going to stick in my head something I can sing along to and you've got that human interaction if you've got a human voice on it it just means you can relate to something a bit more doesn't it it just means that you can hear the lyrics and you know understand what the person's talking about and you can just relate on a human level with it much more yes if it's a happy song you can feel euphoric about it if it's a sad song that's much harder without a vocal you know it's much harder to connect for me anyway I've always I've never been one for instrumental tracks I've always for me the vocal is the most important thing you know and I would say it's slightly more brave because it's like yeah when you, when you do that and you really like as you do like just make these like super positive like poppy songs it's to me I think it's easier to be cool you know it's, it's almost like yeah. it's, hide, it's like hiding behind a mask whereas like yeah. when you when you make the kind of songs that you do like you're just you're out there you know yeah. like that's Kid Casio, right? It's like, take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's kind of been my stumbling block, if you like, since day one, which is what I do at the end of the day isn't really very cool. And the problem I've had, I find that with my music, when I get it out to people and when people hear it, the response I get is 
generally quite positive with the man or woman on the street. They like the songs, and like you say, they're catchy and hooky. The problem I, I've always encountered with my music, and this goes way, way back since when I started writing songs and I was in bands when I was a teenager and I was getting signed and things like this, was the people in between, the tastemakers. And they're the people who are always looking for the next cool thing. Mm-hmm. And I found it hard to fit into that category from day one you know I, I always remember a story of like you know we used to do these gigs in my old band in the modern we might do like a trend uh, a gig in a really trendy part of kind of east london you know we turn up and there'd be all these kind of hipsters there and we'd be playing and they'd be like okay this isn't very cool you know we can't really like this mm. you know kind of stroking their beards like this you know <laughs> this is a bit this, this isn't right you know this isn't cool and it would always be the girl working behind the bar or the the guy manning the door, or the cleaner who would come up to us afterwards and say, "Do you know what? Out of all the bands that have played in this club, you're the best." You know, because these are songs that I remember. These are catchy, and so I, I just feel like I've never appealed to the cool crowd. You know, I've always appealed to the the average guy, the man on the street, and I've it's it's kind of probably been my downfall in a way. But I prefer that. I, I'm I'm not interested in making music that's cool. I never have been I just want to make music that people love on on a wider level I don't want to make music that people see as being cool right 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 it's interesting and I'm glad that comes out in the music (laughs) yeah no it's great stuff and speaking of which let's listen to some this is a track it's called Letters of Love by Kid Casio Let us in the wood to make a connection. 
And that was Letters of Love by Kid Cassio. And was a collaboration, was it featuring San Fernando Sound or was it, how did you word that? I think, yeah, it's always tricky that one, isn't it? I think we said, <laughs> I think we said Kid Cassio and San Fernando Sound because right. it was really a really equal uh, collaboration. In fact, with all the collaborations on my album, I really saw it as a 50-50 kind of thing. In particular with San Fernando Sound, I think he sent me some demos he'd done. Again, like instrumental kind of demos. And there were a couple that I just thought, wow, you know, immediately when I listened to it, a song came to my head. Mm. and I got it down I think we kind of might have changed the key to fit my voice a bit better and I I kind of played some synths over the top and added a few bits and pieces here and there but it was a real kind of 50-50 collaboration and the same with the other guys I worked with Ricardo Waterbarn who I've never even met interestingly enough Mm. that was literally an online collaboration him sending stuff back and forth me recording vocals sending them over recording the odd synth line sending it over and we we never met we still haven't met (laughs) it's just a really great kind of of way of doing things now that you can do that and I worked with another friend of mine called Liam Hansel we met up in the studio and that was much more kind of bouncing ideas off each other kind of session and but yeah it was just really interesting to do collabs I, I kind of wanted to do that for the second album Coda mm-hmm. song I wrote with a friend of mine called Ben Todd who I've done some film writing stuff for films with and yeah. things so yeah with doing this show and and talking to like a lot of synthwave artists and stuff it is such an international scene because it's such a niche scene so even though there's like there's lots of people who listen to this stuff and like it they're scattered all over the place it's like you know three people in this city and two people in this one and so on and so they're they're always doing these international you know collaborations with each other where they've never met but they've made albums together and stuff like yeah. that it's nice so like you say it is a small community and that's the thing I found that's been so useful since I branched out on my own you know when the modern folded and our label with Universal ended and I thought you know it was that time kind of 2006 when everything was changing everything was moving over to downloads which is obviously now changed again and we're moving on to streaming it was the first time that record companies importance was kind of people were realising that actually we can do stuff without you know big massive budgets and big labels behind us and I was kind of worried about how it worked but I quickly discovered that because of the music I was making there was like a small scene out there and there were loads of great blogs writing about it and there were loads of people interested in that kind of retro synth pop sound and it meant that I could do that and not be a kind of tiny tadpole in a large pond you know I could mm-hmm. uh, I could make my name known you know in that field quite quickly the music video for this song made me laugh a lot oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about that because you, you okay. took some old footage from like I don't know was it like some like Italo disco yeah, show or something exactly uh, what I wanted to do I mean I wanted to be on Top of the Pops okay that's that's what it comes down to and Top of the Pops ended before I could ever be on it <laughs> that was my childhood <laughs> ambition gone all mm. the things I wanted to do which was be on Top of the Pops be in Smash Hits which was a great magazine we had over here in, in the 80s and um, yeah those two things folded so I thought well how can I be on Top of the Pops I thought well actually rather than taking footage from Top of the Pops which would make it really obvious that I'd sort of found the footage online and I just thought it would be a bit more quirky to find something 
that maybe not everyone would know. Mm-hmm. And I found this, like, yeah, you say this, it's an Italo disco program that was broadcast in the 80s. And yeah, I, I scoured loads of footage on YouTube. And it was a great set, really 80s kind of neon TV set they had. Mm-hmm. And all the audience are going for it and stuff. And I thought, well, I need to find an act that's only got one male singer. And I found this guy called Den Harrow. And he's kind of an Italo disco artist from the 80s. And I put a message out on Facebook and said, I've got this footage. Does anyone know how? to put my head onto this guy's body <laughs> and believe it or not someone came forward out of my list of friends on Facebook someone said I think I know just the guy who could do that and I got talking to this guy called Ed Crofts and he said look you film stuff on green screen try and get it as close as you can to the way his head's moving so I filmed my head with a green screen background singing my song from the angles that were being used on the Italo Disco programme the camera angles mm. and yeah he did it and it, I mean it looks kind of dodgy but it kind of works in a weird kind well, of way it's hilarious like yeah, that's the thing it's, it's funny like... that's the thing it's meant to be you know it, it looks fake <laughs> <laughs> but it is awesome and I love just the costume that that guy is wearing that your head is I know what is that of. it's like a white leather trench coat I mean <laughs> fantastic <laughs> I love it man I, I can't get enough yeah I just think um, it was such a clever thing you know of this guy Ed to be able to do and he's actually now he's come forward and said he wants to make my next video for the next single off the album which is going to be a track called Drive and he's got some big ideas for that it won't just be like cutting and pasting my head like onto a body it's like we've, we're going to film a whole video for it so it's good, going to be good, really good, cool, cool. I'm really excited about that well let's uh, let's listen to another track here man yeah this is a track called Full Moon Blue by Kid Cassio
And I'm here with Kid Cassio right now talking about music and stuff. So this was a fun video. This was the one you uh, found some old footage. Yeah. So I always try and, because of the, I haven't got much of a budget for video, I always try and think like, okay, how can I do something interesting on such a little budget? Because if I'm trying to do some elaborate storyline and film it on like a HD camera or something and go out on the street or film in my flat at home and you know it's just gonna look like a school project or something you know what Mm. i mean it's just so i'm always trying to think of ways how can i make this look interesting if you like and a friend of mine we hadn't been in touch for a while and he got in touch with me and said look you've got to come over i was clearing out my mum's attic and i found this box of stuff and there's this old vhs tape in there you've got to come over and have a look at it so i came over and it was this (laughs) i totally forgot about it is this film we made when we were like 18 i think and it was like a kung fu film and all filmed on like these dodgy old mid-90s camcorders svhs those little mini ones or something but all the same it looked much worse than we both remembered it we'd kind of remembered this brilliant (laughs) amazing movie that we'd created and actually it stood the test of time in that it predates any kind of cgi and if you were a kid now making a kung fu film you'd do it all on after effects and you'd be able to kind of edit it with all the sounds in and stuff i mean i remember us editing it so we had two vhs machines one playing the edited footage and one recording Recording, mm-hmm. And then we had a mixer with two mics going into it and a sampler with the sounds of the punches and stuff. And we'd have to watch in real time, mm-hmm. play the punches, the fist punches and stuff on the keyboard and then overdub the voice at the same time on the mic. And if we got it wrong, we'd have to rewind back and start all again from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just funny. And we all we kind of remembered it. And it got me thinking, I thought, oh, wouldn't this be great to use 
in my next video and he said yeah go for it you know and I picked out a certain scene because we'd actually made three of these kind of whole movies and I picked out the scene that I thought would kind of suit the song best and actually when I first played it against the song I thought this doesn't go with the song at all the whole rhythm's wrong everything's wrong but do you know what it kind of still worked in a really weird kind of way I, I don't know why but I think it's just interesting to watch and it's just a bit like what, what on earth is going on here you know what are these guys doing and it looks old it looks aged I mean the song is about someone being hurt in a relationship and going back time and time again and in in some ways the video is, <laughs> is a kind of physical manifestation of that because although it's not a relationship it is someone literally getting hurt you know getting punched in the, <laughs> punched yeah. in the face time and time again and getting up and going back for more because it's just this continuous fight between these two people you're lucky that you found it because I mean I when I, when I was young I made lots of you know videos with my friends and yeah. I have this huge regret it's one of my biggest life regrets when I first got this camera I made basically these little cheap videos this was when I was maybe like 13 or something yeah or maybe even younger maybe it was more like yeah it was more like 11 yeah but they were all like me pretending to be Doctor Who <laughs> And they're really embarrassing. They're not fun to watch. Like, it, it annoys me to look at them. <laughs> and then right around, you know, maybe like grade eight. So this would be like when I was around 13, 14. Yeah. We started doing more original things. Like, they were meant to be funny and silly. But I'd get together with my friends and we'd make these little silly videos. Yeah. And they were on one tape. And in high school, when I was going through my, you know, like, fuck everything phase, <laughs> I destroyed No, why tape. would you do that i know i know why it wasn't even something that i like at the time it was just like oh. yeah i'm gonna fucking break this tape like who gives a shit <laughs> i wasn't even like that kind of a kid like i don't want to send this like i'm running around setting fires or whatever no. it was just like one day i'm just like yeah, i'm gonna take the screws out of this tape and throw the tape around why and that's the one thing when i look back on things i did as a child that's so regrettable actually because i often think there's a few i mean i've got a lot of stuff and recently i had this really nice experience where I met up again with a band I'd been in when I was 15 and we hadn't seen each other for like 20 years some of us and we dug out loads of my friend had loads of old videos and footage and it was just so fun mm -hmm. to go back and watch because it's like you say there is that stage when you go for a few years after you've made it and you're perhaps a teenager or in your early 20s or something you're like oh I can't watch this it's embarrassing but believe me when you get older you're going to want to look back and, and watch it if I could say that to anyone listening if they're young yeah uh, because I regret that's the, my one regret because I know sure they were probably terrible but we were inventing stuff like they were original yeah, stories exactly and, it's great it's great and the stuff that I made before it sucks it makes me mad that I'm like this is the tape I fucking saved this shit uh, you should have given it to your mum that's what you because I mean I, I did go through a phase where I got rid of a lot of things only because they were embarrassing like when I was yeah. um, about I'm going to say like 12 to 13 or 14 I had like this haircut where I had really long bangs and short hair everywhere else <laughs> And I'm saying long bangs. Like, it got to the point where they were past my chin, okay? This is a wow. bad haircut. <laughs> and at the time, I was just so... I wouldn't even let people... I wouldn't be phased by people saying, like, like... Bangs is the side, right? Bangs is the front. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you thought I gave myself, like, a haircut like an old man who, like... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought for a minute bangs uh, were like the sides. So I thought I was imagining like you have this 
like long at the side like down to the shoulders and then like a buzz car on top oh like, that would be fucking amazing <laughs> no I, I had long bangs so it was yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the problem was like I had very when I was younger like I sort of had kind of feminine features and I had yeah. these long bangs like the, it is a terrible so haircut so we call it like, like, like a fringe like a long fringe down yeah the front, it was terrible like, like an emo thing going on I went to Southeast Asia on a trip with my dad and I remember they all thought I was a girl <laughs> and they were but they weren't like embarrassed to say like it like it was a mean thing to say because I guess it's sort of different there anyways like in Thailand and stuff with like yeah I think they're more comfortable with that, that sort of thing yeah. <laughs> they thought you were a lady boy yeah so they would always be like oh you look like girl you look like girl and I remember being it was it upset me but at the same time I didn't cut my hair yeah when I was like a little bit older I purposely went back and since digital cameras didn't exist then it was a lot easier to just be like destroying as many pictures yeah. as I could oh, find man, of me with sad, that haircut though. that's sad like if that was now there'd be so much photographic evidence of that but because yes. it was pre-digital it's so hard to find it there's a massive gap in my whole life in terms of photos where from about I guess like, loads of photos of me from when, when I'm a kid and stuff like that but then from like late 90s early 2000s where I might have like taken them on a early digital camera and not saved them or something or I don't know but I've just got a massive gap of like mm-hmm. I guess it's pre-Facebook and smartphone mm-hmm. once Facebook came along and smartphones then we're uploading everything to that and on our phones and stuff but before that the only place you had to put your digital photos was on some crappy old computer so and those early digital photos because I've had a bunch from high school the school bought like a digital camera and it was such a crazy thing and the resolution of those pictures is like Bad. 300 by 600 or something so they, they're, oh, they're wow. terrible like they, wow. they look just awful but yeah. the silver lining is at least we were lucky enough to be able to do that, to go back and erase pictures and things, because now I feel bad when everything's just online. Like, what happens when you do something embarrassing now? Like, it's just forever, you know? Everything's out there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess everyone's just got to be more careful, aren't they, what they're doing, but... Yeah, but when you're young... Yeah, no, it's true. That's got to be a whole part of the education now for young people, like... Yeah. Hey, remember, if you fucking take a stupid picture of yourself, like... It's, it's yeah, forever. It's forever, yeah. you know? And it'll be on the internet, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, let's uh, let's listen to another song. This one's called Blood Red Skies by Kid Cassio.
by Kid Casio and I'm here with Kid Casio right now. That was also a collab, wasn't it? That was. That was a collab with Ricardo Autobahn. Again, a uh, similar kind of thing. He just sent me some tracks. That was more of a dancey sort of Yes, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess where our paths cross with me and uh, Ricardo is my kind of love of that kind of mid-90s Euro sort of dance kind of thing and he likes a bit of that and he was actually involved in that in the 90s. He was in a few kind of dance acts and stuff. He actually co-wrote the UK Eurovision Song Contest entry one year. So he's got this great pedigree of that kind of that 90s and, and I kind of think he brings that to the table sometimes. I'll bring the 80s and he'll bring that slight element of the kind of 90s dance music to it which I like. Mm. So uh, that was where our minds kind of met I guess and with, with the tracks I worked on with him. Actually, what I forgot to mention about the previous track we listened to, Full Moon Blue, I remember when I was listening to it, mm. and that was before when I heard the album like the first time. I'm like, this reminds me there's, there's of something. And then when you posted the video, then you mentioned Two Minute Warning by Depeche yes. Mode. So, yeah, the way that came about, I was actually working with a couple of producers. One of the guys said to me, I think it was just he sent me a link to a song and said, oh, I love this song. Why don't you do a cover of this? And I get things like that all the time. And normally, like, it's not something that particularly floats my boat and I won't won't bother with it. But I listened to it and I thought, oh, you know, there is something about that. And the, the synths in it are great. And kind of the way the, the synth lines are all tessellating together and it was really clever. And I think I just started kind of copying the synth lines and I started building up this song and it was going to be a straight, a direct cover. And then it just kind of morphed. I just 
started singing my own thing over the top and then I started adding more synths taking away some of the original ones so it was it was a Depeche Mode album track called Two Minute Warning it's from their 1983 album Construction Time Again and actually I went back and listened to it again the other day you know you can definitely hear elements of it especially in the intro the kind of instrumental bit at the beginning of my track right but apart from that the actual melody the vocal line um, is quite different I've obviously put my yes, own song yeah, yeah. It. it's like a piece of the instrumentation because I know when I heard exactly. it I'm like I know yeah this reminds me of something and then when you, <laughs> yeah. then when you mentioned it I'm just like yeah that's right because yeah. I think it's just because I heard the, some of those Depeche Mode tracks later like I was always a big fan of Depeche Mode yeah when I was younger I listened to mostly the 90s stuff yes and like the late 80s stuff and it was weird it's like when I became a big fan of Depeche Modes uh, that's when I sort of reached back into the catalog oh, but wow. it was already like the first okay. Depeche Mode I heard was Violator Violator yeah 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 but I think my favorite album of theirs is Black Celebration yeah I like Black Celebration I mean I'm definitely when it comes to Depeche Mode I'm I'm 100% like Vince Clark era Speak and Spell album right but I like the albums just after that as well and I wasn't that familiar with that particular track actually Two Minute Warning well, was it actually I feel like it was like a weird single because I found it later it seemed like it was um, there was another one too there was like this like song like it was like environmental song called uh, yeah someone's mentioned this and I don't know what that is I've, I've oh, yet I, to look that up is it called something landscape changing or something yeah, the, yeah that's right that's it the landscape is changing <laughs> oh how so what's that? Is that the same as Two Minute Warning? I don't understand. Is it the same song? Because a couple of people have said to me, um, I posted the song and said, look, this is a, a kind of variation of Two Minute Warning. That was the inspiration of the song. And then someone mentioned this other Depeche Mode song. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And why does it sound like that as well? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can definitely hear that in it. And I was like, well, I've never heard that song in my life before. Yeah, see, because it was this weird one that I had never heard either. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I don't care if you're going It's super cheesy. <laughs> like that. I like that, dig that, that out. But is that kind of similar to, to Full Moon Blue? Um, not that one. Uh, I think Two Minute Warning is a separate song. Yeah, okay. It's just interesting you mentioned that one because Full Moon Blue was based around Two Minute Warning. It started out as a cover of Two Minute Warning. But, you know, you mentioning this other song, Landscape is Changing, it just was interesting because a few people have mentioned that in, like, the comments, for example, for my song on YouTube, I think it was, or maybe on my Facebook page or something and I'd wondered oh what's the relevance of that does it sound like that as well perhaps and I've yet to kind of uh, they must be from the out. same time but now that I'm looking through my list I don't see two minute warning oh weird so is two minute warning not a <laughs> This is good radio. That's what this is called. I know. So, <laughs> Two Minute Warning is an album track from Construction Time Again, which is 1983. Perhaps the other one's a B-side or something. I don't know. Definitely a B-side, because it's, it's got these really cheesy lyrics about, like, protecting the environment. Oh, how funny. It's one of those ones with the early 80s Depeche Mode stuff where they'll use that, like, synth trumpet sample. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that stuff. Speaking of Spell is definitely in my top five favourite albums of all time. But yeah, I love the the few albums after that as well. And I, you know, I still think they're doing interesting stuff. You know, they're one of those bands that I'm just happy exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just puts your faith in the fact that there are still great bands that are still hugely popular out there, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I think for me, when I went back and listened to their old stuff, I still think the weakest album 
Well, actually, that's not true. I think the weakest album was Exciter, but that's like of their newer stuff. Yeah, yeah. That one just didn't jive with me, really. Yeah. Um, but I've never really dug the second album. Yeah, I think mine, Gore, was kind of finding his feet. So Vince Clark had left, and the thing about A Broken Frame, that's the one you're talking about, isn't it? A Broken yes, Frame. Yeah. Is, um, I think mine, Gore, was kind of finding his feet songwriting mm-hmm. and I don't think it was till the next kind of couple of albums that he kind of came into his own yeah that makes sense I mean sense. you've got kind of See You on there which is a nice single I think The Meaning of Love is on there and that's quite nice I like the instrumental there's an instrumental on that album that I like yeah I think it's like what, what you call a kind of crossover album isn't it I think that, yeah you can also hear it with uh, the vocals as well it's almost like there's less he has less confidence in the vocals like they're very sort of soft yeah like he's not really like given it yet you know and then like he's not really belting out yeah he slowly sort of works up to it as well well they kind of become a stadium band at the end of the 80s didn't they yes because some of those tracks on violator they're they're huge stadium anthems in a way aren't they do you ever think about that when it comes to like your own music because you know you have this inspiration from this certain time Mm. and obviously like we say when we're talking about blood red skies and stuff there's the the 90s that sort of creep in yeah which you've always said that's part of it as well yeah do you ever think about that like as as you go and as you make more music is it going to be like Kid Casio, the first album that that was 1984. That was you know 1985. <laughs> yeah, and, no, I and, do. And now I, we're seven years later, and I'm yeah. making this in the 90s. You know, like yeah, I, I do. Like the first album was perhaps like for me 83, 84. There was kind of a couple of songs that had a bit of breakdance drum machine influence and elements of kind of synth pop funk coming into it and kind of Howard Jones and a bit of kind of breakdance Karate Kid soundtrack you know kind of. <laughs> and then my second album I, I was using loads of kind of Fairlight samples and things like that Synclavia samples and I'd purchased a DX7 as well so we're getting much more into kind of digital FM synths which are much more yeah kind of 85 86 87 thing is I just don't know if I can go any further than that I don't yeah. I can't promise you <laughs> that the next album's going to sound like some kind of early 90s what'll happen to me then man I'll be making like a Nirvana sounding record and that, that ain't ever going to happen yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, whatever it's going to be it's going to have its foot somewhere in the 80s I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, yeah. of that I mean I've been working on all kinds of stuff at the moment I haven't been writing any Kid Casio stuff particularly recently um, I've been writing for other people I've been doing some dance stuff and I've been doing some more chart sort of orientated stuff I've been getting quite into the whole kind of tropical house scene thing that's kind of made its way into the charts here and kind of using that and it's quite an interesting form of dance music it's really melodic which I like and it uses a lot of these kind of <laughs> you know it's called tropical house so you've got these kind of steel pan synth sounds and marimbas and even pan pipe man you know I love the <laughs> intricate and diverse group of, of the genres of electronic music I'll yeah, say because yeah, like yeah. you go to electronic music and there's just this list and I've never heard of yeah. tropical house before but that's yeah. like, you know, it, it's, like no, it's, it's interesting <laughs> it's kind of like it's, it's exactly as you'd imagine it's kind of a laid back <laughs> sort of you know you're on a beach uh, it's quite cheesy you know it's really melodic and yeah it's quite fun you know I haven't liked anything that's chart music for a quite a while but mm. it's quite interesting some of it it's synth heavy which is great for me so I've been writing some stuff like that for other other artists and stuff it's like the kind of music that Donkey Kong would listen to yeah exactly I reckon you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey let's listen to another track this is uh, this is I think my favourite track on the album this is the story of Kid Charlemagne by Kid Cassio. 
And that was the story of Kid Charlemagne by Kid Cassio. And I'm here with Kid Cassio right now. Talk to me about this one, man. This was the one that uh, that I liked the best. Yeah, I'm glad you like that one because I really like that one. I still might, you know, have plans on releasing that as a single. I just got to think about a cool video for that one or something. That was written with a friend of mine, Ben Todd. I think we originally wrote it for a film. We wrote the music for a film that my brother starred in called Tomorrow Drew. We were in the film as well, playing the members of a band called Swipe, which was like a kind of uh, a rock band. And we had to come up with five original songs for the film. And I think we wrote a whole bunch and I think that one we wrote and it, it never made it to the soundtrack so I kind of kept that on hold and I spoke to my friend and I said you know what I'd really like to do a Kid Cassio version of this transpose some of the guitar parts over to synth and yeah I just really like that one I, I feel like as well I love to do that one live because I tell you what it's just so easy to sing <laughs> so many of my songs are written in this key which is great for recording which a lot of the 80s artists do where you're kind of singing right on the edge of your, your scale sort of thing so your voice sounds like it's almost breaking you know you're kind of really you imagine when you're singing you're kind of punching your fists in the air you know (laughs) when it comes to singing live it's really hard for me sometimes because you know I've got all these huge choruses which always go up a few semitones or whatever and you kind of get to the chorus and it's big transposed you're like yeah and it's like (laughs) you know it's all that kind of big you know whereas that one is just really nice to sing it's really laid back to sing it's just I really enjoy that one and my, my band love playing it as well and I think yeah I'd like to release that it's, it's just I'm, I'm not even sure I think someone asked me what it was about and I, I was kind of like that's what I was about to ask you yeah it's kind of <laughs> it's about a drug dealer who comes into this town and corrupts some people that's all I can tell you but the rest of it is kind of down to interpretation it's interesting that one have a listen have a listen folks <laughs> make up your own minds <laughs> we should talk about this because obviously uh, you and your brother have sort of partnered together here and you've uh You've made a studio. Yeah. This is the studio that you're recording in right now, which is... I am. Uh, where you are. I don't know. <laughs> this is a terrible setup. Sorry, no, no, no. It's called Fiction Studios. We're right in central London, and it's just a great little space. My brother and I were looking for somewhere for a while because I'd wanted to branch out and run like a full-time studio where I could not only do my own stuff but produce other bands and artists and write for other artists and stuff in here there'd been a, basically been a situation where I'd been working on the music for one of my brother's films called uh, uh, Miss You Already and Tony Collette was the star of the film it, had, it starred Drew Barrymore and Tony Collette both of whom I met Drew Barrymore has awesome taste in music by the way but anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves Kid Cassio but yeah Tony Collette had written a song for the film and I took that song with a friend of mine and produced it in my studio and we wanted to get her in and record the vocals but the problem was my studio was basically in my bedroom at home and it just didn't look cool you know I can't invite like a Hollywood A-lister into my bedroom (laughs) it just just didn't seem right so my brother said look we've got to get you a proper place man because this just doesn't look cool if you're doing this music to movies and stuff now you've got to have your own place and he started looking for places and I started looking for places and he found this place and I mean you have to check out the website to really know what I'm talking about so well, uh, I'm yeah. looking I'm looking at the website right in here mm, fictionstudioslondon.com we, we walked into this room basically he 
his accountants told him about it. It was their storeroom in the basement of their building. And there was all these boxes piled up, and we kind of made our way through the boxes and pushed past them. And suddenly we were in this, what I can only describe as like a set from Harry Potter. <laughs> it's like mm. it's like an ancient library, floor-to-ceiling, old, dusty books, and this kind of staircase at the back, and all these lamps everywhere. And I was like, wow, what is this? Like, why is this hiding behind all these boxes in this storeroom? And the guy was like, well, it was a film set, and it was actually designed by one of the guys that worked on Harry Potter. And he said, they'd put it down here. We had this idea that we were going to film this TV show down here. It never happened. And the stuff's all there. It's still set up. We can move it all if you want, get rid of it. And I was like, no way. Keep this here. This is so cool. This is great for bands coming in, somewhere to hang out, great inspiration to write. You just have to pull a book off the wall and it'd be some random... I mean, <laughs> I, I did it the other day. I was trying to think of... It wasn't very helpful for songwriting because the book I actually pulled out was called... What was it called? For the Love of Donkeys. <laughs> it was a book all about people who love donkeys and like pictures of donkeys and... I mean, this is what I mean. I can go up there now. Any book you pull out is like completely weird. Like they must have gone into a bookshop, whoever designed this film set, and just gone, "I'll have everything you've got." You know, just you give me are everything. never gonna top for the love of donkeys. No. There's, there's no way you're gonna pull out anything better than that. None. Yeah, there was just this film set there. It is all fake. You know, the books are real, but everything else is, is is fake. And so I said, "This is great." The rest of the room, we cleared out all the boxes, we carpeted it. It's all soundproofed, air conditioned. I had all my collection of analog synths anyway they were in my studio at home moved in and then we got a great a huge analogue desk off a friend and then kitted it out with all the latest gear yeah it's been great so I've been that's what I've been really busy doing and that's why there's been such a massive gap between the Kodo song and Full Moon Blue because I've yeah. been just working 9 to 5 doing this which has been great so it just means I've got a space that I can just go to every day it's really opened things out for me working with other bands as well you know because I I've done stuff that I would never normally have done you know genres that I wouldn't have even set foot in before you know I've, I've worked on a band doing some much more kind of rocky stuff another band doing some more kind of country sort of style stuff I've been doing lots more dance and I think you know if you can broaden your horizons that way I mean I, what I will always love will be synth pop and what I will make will always be synth pop but you know I think if you can broaden your horizons out in other areas that will kind of infiltrate into the music that you make and make it more interesting for other people right you know? yeah, yeah 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 it's been great you gotta write a song called For the Love of Dance Donkeys now. That's next, mate. How did you know? I think you, you, you kind of have to, don't you? <laughs> I have to. It could be like a big... What noise do donkeys make? Yeah, they make a crazy sound. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. That could be the chorus. Just a big chant. Everyone doing that. <laughs> I'm just picturing it now. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> for the love of donkeys. donkeys. For the love of donkeys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, terrible. Well, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's listen to something good here. This was the uh, the last track on the album, and this was a cool track, and it's called The End by Kid Casio.
And that was The End by Kid Casio. And that was kind of a different one for you. That one seemed a little darker than some of the other. Yeah. Again, that was a collab with um, with the, uh, the San Fernando sound. It was a piece of music which just sounded exactly to me like Kim Wilde's Kids in America. And actually, there was a riff at the start, which we got rid of in the end, because it was basically the riff at the start of, was it Kids in America by Kim Wilde? I can't remember, but kind of played around with that, made it my own. I like that one. Again, another great one to do live because it's just, it's quite a simple song that, and I've discovered that sometimes the ones that work best live are kind of the dumb ones, you know? (laughs) People like that. They like the ones that are kind of dumb and easy to sing along with, you know? Mm -hmm. That one's just, again, quite easy to sing. Do you know what? I have very little memory of of recording that one. Here lies the problem with recording an album two years ago and then releasing it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I actually cut some of them people ask me and that one I seem to remember that one just being remarkably quick like I heard this backing I said I want to write something over this and and like it taking like a couple of hours and then me sending it back to him and he kind of him kind of remixing it I think that one was really quick so um, but yeah had to go on the end of the album that one because it's called The End you sort of hit on it a few times but talk to me about the, uh, the live shows you've been doing because you've got some coming up right my live show is quite interesting at the moment because yeah we've just been working on it and now I've got my own space because this the fiction studios doubles up as the rehearsal space as well it's just giving me more time to kind of rehearse and fine tune the act you know so I've got one guy on drums who plays the the old hexagonal Simmons kit mm-hmm. the old kind of boo 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 electronic yeah. drums <laughs> uh, William Robertson who plays my synths Marcus Mosley on drums and then me with the guitar and that's kind of it and it's great now because we could all just jump in a little car drive around to it wherever we want to go we did a great gig in Lille in France earlier in the year which was a synth pop festival which was the ice synth festival festival and that was really so much fun you know it's like being a teenager again we just jumped in the car it was like lads holiday you know just getting pissed and yeah <laughs> having just a great time really and yeah just a really nice audience i kind of promised myself that i wouldn't do any more of these what we were talking about before these kind of london based hipster showcase events which i'd kind of done throughout 2012 and it'd been utterly soul destroying playing in front of audiences where the promoter hasn't really put you on with the right kind of acts Right. You know, what I'm doing isn't cool enough for the people listening, and I just wasn't enjoying it, you know. So now I kind of really pick and choose what I'm going to do in terms of live stuff. I haven't done many gigs this year, you know, that I did that festival, the Synthpop Festival, I'm doing this one, because I know that it's going to be a great audience, and I know that people are going to be there to see Kid Casio, and it's not just like, oh yeah, go down and see like some heavy metal band, and this 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 dickhead comes on with a synth yeah. before, and he's passing <laughs> around the stage, mate. The fuck's he on? So what do you do then? Because for, obviously, I mean, you do digitally manipulate your voice, and there's like some auto-tuning and some melody dining going on yeah i don't now i don't do that anymore what do you do with the songs you just sing them without I just it? sing them <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I i did the whole thing with the autotune the live autotune for a while and then you know what i did a gig last year i reformed with my teenage band and it was a really fun experience we played this massive show in my local town we had like about 600 people turn up and it was an amazing show and you know what i sung without autotune and everyone said oh you know you still got a great voice and stuff and i just thought oh you know what it just felt so much nicer singing without it. I 
was using it as a kind of um, for, for the effect but actually I kind of thought well do I need to use that on every song you know and I, I kind of felt like you know it was working as an effect in a few songs but actually it was quite restrictive and I can't really explain it but when you're singing with live autotune it's almost like you're wearing a straight jacket you can't express yourself at all yeah. <laughs> you kind of go to belt it out and it's like you're kind of being muffled because you're in the restraints of the autotune and it's kind of pushing your voice down this very restrictive path right right in the centre of the note so your voice can't wobble at all I'm not one for Mariah Carey vocal gymnastics don't get me wrong but it's nice just to have a bit of vibrato here and then just do what you want to do and I was constantly worried because the way the, the autotune worked was I'd have a keyboard sending the MIDI notes to the autotune unit so I had to really stick rigidly to the notes that the keyboard was sending out because if I veered slightly from the song my voice would you'd get this share sort of oh, 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 yes. oh you know you know it wobbled between oh, so the that's, notes that's interesting yeah because I know um, like I sometimes will make joke music and I, I mm. auto-tune because my voice isn't great yeah. I never really did like advanced auto-tuning so you know in, in the case of Logic they've got the pitch correct tool yeah yeah and I basically just go okay well here's the notes of the song so I'm going to shut off the notes that my voice yeah. if it hits those notes it'll sound bad and that's literally all I ever did yeah yeah I mean that's what I did for the whole first album you know that's exactly what I did uh, but but when it comes to live because the way autotune works you have to have something telling it the way this unit worked anyway you had to have the notes of the song actually being fed into it so yeah it was just really restrictive and I did this gig anyway and I just thought oh it's so much nicer so I thought I'm going to try this last one the one in France without autotune and you know what I just enjoyed it so much more yeah 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 I'd say out of anything that I do it was always the thing that I came in for most criticism for was the autotune and actually with my second album as well much 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 less autotune on the songs as well I used something called Melodyne to tune the yeah. vocals which which means you can tune everything but you just don't get that autotune effect you know right right which right which again I'm all for the autotune effect here and there sometimes but on every song I think it got tiring so that was nice it just felt more natural since I'd released Sit and Wait which was less autotune anyway to, to kind of do my live shows without it and so you know I'm still using massive delays and um, a kind of doubling effect here and there and some you know, great reverbs and stuff but you know just without the kind of hard tune effect you know now did you Melodyne in the, the story of Kid Charlemagne yeah there's a vocal in there that I was just like I thought it was a female vocal yeah oh that's so interesting you say that a few people have noticed that and that's just me and I don't I've, ne- I've never been able to recreate that that was that's nothing to do with Melodyne nothing to do with any effect that was just me singing and on that particular day for some reason reason I sounded like a girl and it was just the way I sang it it's the backing vocal I know exactly what you're talking about and mm-hmm. I don't know why and I've since tried to create that way I use my voice on that song mm-hmm. on the song since I've never been able to do it again it's bizarre it must have just been the key of the song or something or the way I sang it and I think I sang it quite soft and maybe I sang it in my in my falsetto voice or something I don't know but you're absolutely right a few people said that it sounds see, like see I thought it was like okay either he's got a female singer or he's melodying this thing up a few keys or whatever no no nothing like that at all the only time on the album where a female singer appears is on the last chorus of Kodo's song I got my girlfriend to sing a kind of um, outro line um, which kind of goes under the main vocal so you can mm-hmm. hear that very very kind of softly on the last chorus but no there's no female vocal on the rest of the album at all so that was me just being particularly feminine that day yeah. <laughs> I got dressed up bore one of my girlfriend's dresses and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, for the love of donkeys <laughs> that's a good 
That's, see, that, that can be like an expression now. Just drop know? into everyday parlance. I'm oh, going to yeah. now. When I was when I was younger, and I used to I used to make all these like really terrible joke songs. Yeah. And they were always donkey related. Oh, brilliant! Because I loved that word. Like it's just such a dumb word to say. Yeah. <laughs> so I would sing songs about like business donkeys and things, just because it was like just that word makes me laugh. So <laughs> for the love of donkeys can be like an old person would say, like you'd tell them a crazy story and they'd be like, oh, for the love of donkeys, yeah. for the love of God. My older brother said the other day, "Man alive!" Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that Classic. made him sound like seventy. I was like, "What?" Well, that's one of my favorite Simpsons bits. Yeah, there's this old episode of The Simpsons, and um, and Mr. Burns uh, takes over the town, and then there's all this like uh, toxic gas that's going into the uh, the bar. Yeah, and they they don't want to leave the bar, and so like these guys come in with like these protective like hazmat suits and stuff, and they're like, "Man alive!" There are men. <laughs> Alive in here. Like, <laughs> it is one of those things you just don't hear anyone say, you know. Yeah, because I don't even really know what it means. No, nor do I. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to ask someone who's over 60. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, dude, we can probably uh, wrap this up. Yeah, man. Is there anything uh, you want to talk about that we haven't mentioned? I think we've covered all bases. People should check out fictionstudioslondon.com. Yeah. If ever you're in London and you need to record some synth pop or record any kind of music at all or a voiceover or you want to come and find somewhere super cool to rehearse, check out fictionstudioslondon.com. Um, we've got a huge, vast array of analog synths, and it's growing all the time. So yeah, check it is out. It, is it fair to say that Fiction Studios is a boutique recording studio located right in the heart of central London? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you is got it also it. true to say that it was set up by brothers Dominic and Nathan Cooper in 2016? It's very fair to say that. It's almost yeah. as if you're reading it off the yeah. website. <laughs> yeah, I need it to hire good. you for people, a voiceover. People should definitely <laughs> check out the, the site, because I'm looking at it now, and it does look really uh, awesome in there. I almost feel like because of the color of the upholstery and stuff and the fact that it's got all those old books and, and it's got this sort of this neat vibe inside that it should smell like cigar smoke. Oh man, that's exactly. I was trying to think of a name so we spent ages trying to think of a name and I was like old man's club, old gentleman's club, <laughs> working men's club. <laughs> all these kind of things to do with like just how I imagined like an old guy sitting there with a pipe or a cigar or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I settled on fiction it was actually a friend of mine who came in and we were kind of playing with all these ideas and we thought the boiler room and that had been done or the old library and that had been done and he just said oh what about fiction studios because of all the books and I was like yeah I like that I like that a lot but you're absolutely right it doesn't smell of old cigars but it really should you're, you're yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> just go in there one day and just like get Waft a box of cigars yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright man well you have a, you have a lovely London day oh man so much fun talking to you again yeah man it was good and uh, you know don't wait another two years or whatever to no some of the songs I'm writing now are, you know are going to be on the uh, already set for the next album so I'm hoping that you know things are going to start moving quickly and I'll be doing another single soon and yeah we'll talk again sooner man it'd be, it'd be fun alright take care dude thanks so much Andy And that was my chat with Kid Cassio. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, I always like talking to him, and I dig his music. It makes me happy. I hope you guys are having a lovely day, and I hope you have a great weekend. And uh, tune in next time to Beyond Sin. I need to get out of the house, I'm a dumb fast, breaking all the rules with this podcast on